So I bet I'm looking at people this week who have used technology. Has anybody here used any technology? Hey, this is weird, by the way. <laughs> Something. It's, I guess we'll get used to it. Yeah, we've used technology. One of the amazing pieces of technology that, that I'm, I'm going to get used to this, that, that I've, I really like <laughs> is uh, the global positioning system. Has anybody used your GPS this, this week? Anyone, anyone at all? Aren't those things amazing? Now, used to be a standalone unit that you had to buy. Um, now, most of us, I think, have them in our phones. Our smartphones have that stuff in there. Um, some of us have GPS watches. Uh, so when you maybe go exercise, it tells you wh- how far you've gone, how fast you've gone, or slow, depending on the case. And, and all that sort of amazing. And, and you, you maybe hook your phone up to it, and, and uh, there you are in your car. You're going somewhere, and it tells you, in one half mile, turn left and all. And it's remarkably accurate, isn't it? Okay, here's the big thing. This is going to creep me out. Okay, uh, how many of you have male GPS voices? Notice... We've got some ladies with male. He's Australian. Yeah, he's cute too, right? Uh, how about, how many of you have female GPS voices? Okay, most of us. Are there any other options? I've never really changed and saw. Fascinating how it is. I, I had a friend a while back who, it was early on in the GPS days, and he had a GPS in his car. And he was on the phone, it was a separate unit with his wife, and this female voice kept speaking. <laughs> and she was getting a little upset with him. Who is that in the car? Honey, it's, and he actually, there was a name for it. It was quite funny anyway, but there we go. But it is remarkable what you can do and how those, those uh, units can instruct you. Nowadays, they even have um, on the map sometimes little indicators of traffic or construction so you know as you're going along you know what you're up against and, and it, they'll reroute you my favorite part is like trying to mess with Siri's head like, I'm going to miss this turn on purpose just to see what she does anyone else take that Steve Jobs no nonetheless we go on well GPS's are great I, I get lost I have a horrible sense of direction Good thing I live in the Keys, right? It's left or right, <laughs> north or south. And still, just the other day, I was taking Denise back to work. She lives south, and I pulled out and turned north on US-1 and got there. Where are you going? I'm like, this way. But we get there. It's good. Well, I, I use that because we all are aware of, of that sort of thing, of, of those advances in technology and how useful it is in, in our lives. And when I think about what we've been talking about for the last few weeks— I think that's kind of what we've been doing for who we are. You know what? What we want to know when we plug in that address in our, in our GPS is how to get from point A to point B. And what we've been talking about is how we, as, as the people of God, can have some sense of how we can get from where we are to where God wants us to be. Maybe the, the question that you've struggled with, and it's worded differently depending on, on how it it's, or who was talking about it, is the idea of what is God's will for my life? That's a pretty huge question. And at some point, you probably have thought about that. What is God's will for my life? Or, or put differently, am I living a life 
that pleases God? And if so, will it count for anything? What will be the result of the lives, of the years that I've lived and the activities I've done and all that sort of thing? And so, so believe it or not, that's what we've been trying to, to get at. And we, we did it in an unusual way. We started looking at the big picture. And when I mean big picture, I mean really big picture. And I think the first picture will help us understand how big the picture was. Two weeks ago, we looked at, well, that's the Milky Way with that little reminder of you are here. And we talked at length about the bigness of our universe and the smallness of our place in the universe. And we saw that we as human beings, in the grand scheme of things, when we begin to see just how high the heavens are, just how far and and how much is out there, we are incredibly small. We are incredibly insignificant. It can be overwhelming at some points. But we saw that verse where uh, the psalmist asked, what is man that you are mindful of him? And we celebrated communion together as a reminder that, that we learn that as high as the heavens are above the earth, that is the love God has for us. And he demonstrated, even though we're so insignificant, just how valuable we were in his sight by sending his son Jesus to walk this earth and to pay the penalty for our sins so that we could know him. And we said, yes, we might be tiny in the grand scheme of things, but we matter in some ways and in big ways to God. And then last week we zoomed in a little closer and we used this picture. And we said, in that picture is our church. And if you remember, it's sort of right in the middle there. Um, I don't know if you can see very well. That's sort of our area. And we went from a a universe of billions of stars to uh, an area in Key Largo, a 10-mile radius, stretching south and north of about 13,000 people. And we said, so much did God love us and demonstrate his love that then he in turn told us to, to make disciples of others. And he's left us here and placed us here so that we could share the good news of that great God with these 13,000 or so people that are our neighbors. And if you're not from our neck of the woods, wherever your neck of the woods is, God has you specifically placed and gives you that great commission to go and make disciples of all nations, which brings us to today. And we're going to maybe narrow it in a little bit more because I I said last week I had a lot of ideas running around in my head and I was tempted last Sunday just to sort of spew a lot of them out and somebody after church was talking to me they said I really wish you would have done that in fact in our our class our Bible study class afterwards one of the folks in there said I really wish you would have because when I think about you know who I am as a Christian and how I can share what what I know and and my love for God I just sometimes I don't know where to start and I don't know how to do it I said I wish you would have just told us well, are you ready? Naturally, that person's not here today. Oh, well. So that's what today is. Today is sort of the, how do you go about that? And now, just so we're clear, um, I don't want you leaving here expecting very specific A, B, C, D, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6. But I want us to look at Colossians chapter 3 and see a few things in there that I think will encourage us to know our part in that great commission God has given us, having demonstrated his love, having given us significance by sending his son, dying for us, how can we go about living for him? Colossians chapter 3, beginning in verse 15, Paul writes these words. He says, Let the peace of Christ 
rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace, and be thankful. Verse 16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom, and as you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. And now here's the verse we're going to hang out in. Verse 17 says this, Having told us, let the peace of Christ dwell in your hearts, let the word of Christ dwell in your hearts, he says this, And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Now, when we think about these words, Paul is giving this instruction to the church at Colossae, these group of Christians. It probably felt the same way we do sometimes. They lived in a world that maybe they looked around and thought they don't seem to think the way we do. They don't seem to want to know the things that we know. They don't seem to have an inclination toward the things of God. We can look at our world sometimes and feel that same way. But this letter was written to them to encourage them in the face of that, how they could go about their lives in a way that would make a difference. And Paul says, as you think about your lives, as you think about how you can make a difference, this is what I want you to do. Whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. Let's start with a wonderful word, whatever. Now, this is not that whatever. You know that whatever, right? When you talk to your children, and they say, whatever, mom. That's not that. Good news, right? This is whatever. And I, I got out my, my Greek New Testament and found this verse in it and looked up the word that means whatever. And I got out my Greek lexicon and read the definition of the word that means whatever. And you know what whatever means in Greek? It's a really good translation. Whatever. Actually, the word is, is, the Greek word is pos or pan, like pantheism or panorama, the idea of kind of a, a broad, all-encompassing thing. And, and that word is the word that's translated in English, whatever. So we might look at it another way. Anything you do, whatever you do. Now, what do you do? Let's just have a little fun here. I want to hear the occupations represented. In, I know this is just, I don't know what else to do. <clears throat> What are the occupations represented here in our illustrious congregation? Just shout them out. You're not Pentecostal. You won't be penalized for this. Teacher. Do we have people working as teachers or in the educational system? I know we have a large segment that do. Amen. Thank you. God bless you. Do we have anybody studying to be teachers here today? Hey, I know a couple. What else we got? Postal. You went postal. Excellent. Anybody else? Really? No. Post office. We have people where any other delivery, whether it's the postal service or other types of delivery companies, one is enough. Nursing. Yes, I know we have some medical stuff, nursing, doctoring, and other sorts of things, maybe in administration. Anybody in the medical field at all related to that, I think. Okay, good. Wonderful. What else we got? Construction. Did I hear that? Construction. Yes build things, who builds things or fixes things that other people tried to fix when their wife said, would you please try to fix this? And the husband did, and it cost a lot of money because, yeah. What else we got? 
Deputy Sheriff, we have law enforcement. Now we have, how about law enforcement? Got some law enforcement here besides, okay, good, lots. I see that hand in the back. There we go. Law enforcement. Aren't we grateful for our law enforcement officials and what they do? Thank you all for that. And uh, certainly important, the services they provide. Any, any in uh, firefighting EMS? Do we have any of those? Yeah, I think I've heard that. Yeah. What else we got? Mom. Mom. That is a wonderful thing. Do we have any moms in the house today? Oh, wow. I should have started there. What did you wait for? Excellent. Mom. Real estate, yes, that's a good thing. Do we have any real estate people here? I know we have some that work in real estate, sales and rentals and all that good stuff. Real estate, wonderful. Some pricey real estate. Boat people? Fishing? Boat people. How about boat captains, fishing guides, uh, anything dive instructors? We got that. Biologist, that's good. Or soon-to-be biologist. Marine biologist. Chef. What's for dinner? Any other chefs? We are Baptist, after all. Lots of stuff. Here's the good news. All of that is included in whatever. When Paul says, whatever you do, all of that counts. And Anything else, career-wise, that you can think of is all included in whatever. Whatever you do, whatever it is, whatever vocation, whatever pursuit that you do, you, whether word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. This verse covers the gamut. Wherever you go, whatever you do, you are included in this. Now, this is kind of interesting because in, well, I've, you've heard me, if you've been here before, talk about church world. Church world has come a long way in some ways. It used to be a very clear divide that was thought of in church world between the secular and the sacred. The secular being the things that happened outside of church world or outside of the church, and the sacred being the things that happened inside. There was, uh, in many people's thinking, and maybe some of you still kind of differentiate some things in that way, that these things are, are, are sacred or holy or, or religious might be another word, not a word I like, but we'll use that. And these things aren't. They're otherwise. Not necessarily bad, but just not overtly sacred in that way. Sacred and secular. And as I read this, it seems to me there's no room for that distinction. I work in church world. I'm vocationally a minister. Maybe some of you have been or, or worked alongside uh, churches before. And, and you know, in some ways, there's this idea that, that we preacher types or, or clergy are or, or closer to God or have greater access to God or somehow have more something because we're in that realm. Good news for everybody, it's just not true. There's nothing unique about how I stand before God versus anybody else in this room. We are all the same. We are all sinners that having repented or turned from our sin are saved by the grace of God expressed through Jesus Christ. There is no difference in any way. And, and this verse, I think at its heart, tries to, to get to that distinction and say it doesn't matter. Don't think of that anymore. Another way that we see it is, is somehow thinking there are sacred versus secular places. As if if you're in this room, it's better than being in other rooms. 
And I don't think that's the case either. Now, at one time, if we went back to the Old Testament and we looked at the tabernacle and then the temple, we'd see that in those particular places, God uniquely placed his presence in tangible ways, even undeniable ways, so that among the people of Israel at that point in history, they could look to those square footage places and say, God is there. In the very center of them, the Holy of Holies, inside the Holy of Holies, the Ark of the Covenant, the mercy seat, the the glory of God was thought to dwell there. The dedication of the temple, uh, this, this amazing light show, fire show shows up. God comes and consecrates the temple by his very presence. God dwelt in the temple. But then Jesus comes along. The, the word became flesh, God incarnate. And because of what he has done, because of his death and by his resurrection, then giving us the Holy Spirit, that distinction is no more in that the temple, the place where God dwells, isn't a building, but it is his people. For you are, we are, the temple of the Holy Spirit. God indwells us. So this place is no more sacred than any other space. We come here, it has a purpose, it has a use. I'm not suggesting that, that that's not true, but it's not somehow closer to God when you're in this room than when you're in your home or a little bit later if you go out to lunch. You don't get extra credit for coming here and get demerits for going there. The issue isn't the thing you do or the place you are. No, the issue is, I think, the second part of that, Though in the whatever, or even the wherever, you do, you do it all for a particular purpose. In the name of the Lord Jesus. Whatever you do, whatever your career, whatever your vocation, whatever your hobby, whatever you spend your time with, whatever that is, whatever it is, if it's in the name of the Lord Jesus for the purpose of presenting that good news of his life, death, and resurrection, of showing that though we might be insignificant in the grand scheme of things, God demonstrated how significant we are when he sent Jesus to die and redeemed us when we live our lives wherever we go and whatever we do with that purpose, with that goal, then it takes even the most, we might say, secular thing and makes it incredibly sacred. You know, you hear the stories that one day we're all going to stand before uh, good old St. Peter. I don't know why it's always St. Peter, but it seems to be the case. You've heard often it's a joke that starts that way. And, you know, these people are lining up in front of St. Peter. and He's got some things to say. And, and I picture one day that that might be the case in some way. And we're all standing before God and, and we're, we're being judged for the things done in the body. As Scripture says, are we kind of accounting for that? And, and I think what maybe what you think is that somehow, or what sometimes we think is that somehow, Hey, you know, Charles is the preacher guy, and he, he, he lives in church world, and he does the church world thing. And, and, and so on that day, he gets to go to the front of the line. Well, one of you doesn't think that. <laughs> Not true. So we could be up there, and, and, and God could be asking for an account. Louis Giglio is somebody I like to listen to, and he has this person. I don't know why he picks it. Anybody NASCAR fan here? Okay, that's like next weekend, so you won't be here then? We'll pray for you. 
Oh, wait, you can be anywhere. Sorry, shucks, I can't hold that over your head. There's that little race up the road. It's the last one. They're going to give the championship. And if you've ever been NASCAR's, and, and Louis Giglio talks about the left tire guy on a pit crew. Have you heard him talk about that? How many of you have seen a NASCAR race, like in person? And have you ever watched what happens in pit row? It is remarkable. The car, you know, these cars are go, going around the track, I don't know, depending on the speedway, put close to 200 miles an hour within inches of each other. And then as they, they need a tire change, they need gas, they go into pit row, and it looks like they're like creeping along from, from the angles we get on TV. They're probably going 60 or, I think it's 50, 60 mile an hour speed limit in pit row, which is like US 1, right? Pit row is US 1. Boom, right there. And they're, they're coming down pit row. It looks slow, but it's really still pretty fast. And they, they have to parallel park on pit row, which is remarkable. And it's that, I mean, they like go from 60 to zero just right away. And as soon as that car stops, you know, the guy's got the little flag out in front of him so they know where to stop with the number on. They pull up and stop. And at that moment, chaos happens. These people jump over the wall with tires and and, and, and there's gas and, and there's like that thing on the windshield. It is remarkable what happens. This, this few seconds, that's the thing, seconds of chaos. And the left tire guy has one particular job. It has to do with the left tire. He has to get over the wall, take the tire off, you know, lug nuts off, pull the, well, put the new one on, lug nuts on, and get out of the way or he's going to get run over. And all of that happens in like 10, 12 seconds. Incredible amount of coordination and effort. And maybe one day we'll get to heaven and left tire guy is there with me. (laughs) Me and left tire guy in line. And I'm the preacher, right? I get to go first. Nope, not necessarily. Because see, here's the thing. I, I can be in church world doing the preacher thing And I can do everything I do with no thought of the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And to God, that means nothing. I could be a preacher with thousands of people in a congregation. I could be a a preacher with a huge television ministry. I could be a preacher on the most insignificant church you've never heard of. Hey, that sounds familiar. No, not really. Um, And somewhere, if it's not done In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, for the glory of God, giving thanks to God, it means nothing. And left tire guy, if every time he did it for the glory of God, God commends him and has little to say for me, even though I was in church world. Because it's not about what you do. It's about the purpose with which you do it. Whatever you do. Now, each one of you is uniquely gifted, uniquely created to do stuff only you can do. Look to the person on your left. They ain't like you. How about the person on your right? Nope. You are special. You're the only one. You're the only one like you. Isn't that like a Barney song? Look in front of you. That person, as great as they might be, still not you. Look behind you. As handsome or beautiful as that person is, still not you. 
can't do the things you can do. Don't bring to the table the thing that only you bring to the table. You are uniquely crafted by God with certain abilities, certain passions, certain desires, certain skills. God put it all together and then tells us through his Holy Spirit, he gives us certain spiritual gifts, certain unique uh, tasks and talents according to the gift of his spirit that you bring to the equation that nobody else does. Each of you uniquely fit by God for a purpose that only you can do. And then uniquely placed in the the place that you are, whether it's here in the Keys, whether it's in your, your job situation, whether it's in your family, whether it's in your neighborhood. None of that, I don't think, is by accident. I think God in His sovereignty places us as He wants us. But it says here, whatever you do, however He's put you together, whatever are your passions, whatever is the thing that that you want to pursue that somehow makes you feel more alive than anything else. And I hope in your life you know what that thing is. I hope that kind of lines up with your maybe even vocational path that somehow your unique abilities and gifts have come together and God can uniquely, having created you, use you in that vocational path in a way that nobody else could be used. And it might not even be something that seems hugely amazingly popular or significant or, or, or commendable. It may just be what seems like the everyday. Tuesday is a good everyday, isn't it? It's not Monday. Nobody really likes Monday, right? It's not Friday. Everybody seems to like Friday. It's just Tuesday. It's like I got to get up and go to work because it's Tuesday. Are you feeling Tuesday today? Tuesday's like, the week's just really getting started. I have several days till I have a few days off on the weekend. It's just like a lot to do. I'm kind of in the routine. You got your routine. I know I've got to do certain things. And as we go through, that, that's kind of the whatever. That's the, the thing. And, the, and the, the thing I want to emphasize today is don't let that whatever just be routine. Don't think of it as just another Tuesday. Another day, I've just kind of got my my rut that I'm in. I, I've I found my niche. I'm just kind of getting through. I'm, I'm existing here. I, I, I'm whatever the reason might be, just trying to make it through Tuesday. But what if we looked at it differently? What if you saw in that Tuesday, that very ordinary day, the unique opportunity, unique gift of God at work in a particular place because on that day you don't know who you might have interaction with it might be the same people you've had interaction with every tuesday since you can far back as you remember it could be new people people that you've met for the first time you don't know what tuesday holds and in each of those interactions there is the possibility that in word or deed somehow you can do whatever it is you do in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And that transforms Tuesday. Hey, Transformation Tuesday, that's a hashtag. Hashtag? No. Transforms Tuesday into a divine, sacred day where you get the opportunity, where you have the privilege of your unique, crafted your unique abilities, your unique God-givenness meets the, the vocation or the relationship in a way that somehow 
the greater purposes of God can be fulfilled. Not just getting through the day to get a paycheck so I can pay the bills. And then I got to go home and deal with the family stuff. And then hopefully get a good night's sleep so I can get up tomorrow and do it all over again. No, God gifted me. God placed me. God can use me today, here, now, wherever it is for his purposes. Romans chapter 11, verse 36 says these words. Paul writes kind of in the, a bit of a benediction of this part of the book of Romans. We've been studying Romans for like 20 years on Wednesday nights. Um, but he, he says at the end of, of this doxology, when he talks about the depths of the riches and the wisdom and knowledge of God, who has known the mind of the Lord, who's been his counsel, who has ever given to God that God should repay him. And then he says this, for from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. And that is you. For from him you have received all that you have. Whether it's the material things you have, whether it's the abilities, the skills, the gifts you have, whether it's the salvation and forgiveness you have, whatever it is, for from him you've received it. And through him, as you live your life, as you go about that regular Tuesday, you're going to make it through Tuesday because God is not just giving you the abilities that you have and giving you the opportunities you have, but it's going to sustain you in the midst of whatever comes your way through him and ultimately to him as you deal with that first customer or that first client or that that baby that wakes up in the middle of the night or that unruly child or that situation with your with your neighbors all of it to him are all of those things whatever you do as paul said doing it in the name of the lord jesus christ so that to him can be the glory forever and ever amen whatever you do somehow can glorify God, that your uniqueness before him can be matched with the opportunity he gives you so that you can live out his purposes through you and he will receive glory. That is Tuesday. No? Not feeling Tuesday yet? How about Wednesday? Wednesday's a good day. No. That's, that's what can happen Tuesday or Wednesday or Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, whatever day. That is it. All of that comes together. That in the, the hugeness of the universe, as minuscule as we are, God is mindful of us and sent Jesus. And Jesus, having lived his life perfectly before God, offered himself on the cross sinlessly to die for our sins and rose from the grave and told his disciples right before he checked out of earth to go to heaven, said, hey, listen, this is what I want you to do. Go and make disciples of all nations. And Paul would write, as the one who pushed the boundaries of the Christian church as far as they'd been pushed to that point, who went as far as anybody could go with that good news of the gospel. He said, listen, wherever you are, whatever you do, do it with the realization that from him and through him and to him is the possibility that he could use you so that he can receive glory. That is the purpose for which we have been created. I like A.W. Tozer. He's kind of a, a guy who 
wrote a few years back. Pursuit of God, maybe his most well-known book. And as you get toward the end of it, it's like the last page of my copy. I want to read this, this quote to you. I can, think it kind of goes along the way with what we've been talking about. Uh, A.W. Tozer writes this, The layman, layman in church world means not professional clergy, anybody who's not a preacher type. So the layman need never think of his humbler task as being inferior to that of his minister. Let every man abide in the calling wherein he is called, and his work will be as sacred as the work of the ministry. It is not what a man does that determines whether his work is sacred or secular. It is why he does it. The motive is everything. Let a man sanctify the Lord God in his heart, and he can thereafter do no common act. All he does is good and acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For such a man, living itself, will be a sacramental Living itself will be sacramental and the whole world a sanctuary. Living itself sacramental, the whole world a sanctuary. This is, what year was this? Just curious. should look at the copyright date. Oh yeah, he died in 1963, so I don't see a copyright on this. It's, it's a few years old. It's not like it came out yesterday. This is not a new idea. Um, but the idea that, that all that we do can somehow be sacred to God. There's no distinction between the sacred and the secular that you have the opportunity anywhere you are and whatever you do to somehow, in the name of Jesus Christ, bring glory to God. Isn't that, I hope it is anyway, a little bit liberating to think when you wake up in the morning, as you're getting ready to go to work today, I can, in the sanctuary of my office, in the sanctuary of my school, in the sanctuary of the construction site, in the sanctuary of the hospital, the doctor's office, I don't remember all the other occupations, the sanctuary of the real estate office, and on and on it goes, wherever I find myself, in the sanctuary of my home, for the moms that are doing that, I can give glory to God. How do you fulfill the Great Commission? How do you make the reality of the goodness of God visible to those around you? To live for his glory. Jesus said, I have come that they might have life and have it abundantly. Have it to the full. That's our promise from God himself. And that's our equipping from the Holy Spirit himself. And that's our calling from Jesus himself. Will you live for the glory of God? Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you have, through your Son, done for us what we could not do. When he came and willingly laid down his life on the cross and made it possible for us to receive forgiveness of sin, to receive salvation, to receive the hope of eternity. And I thank you, Lord, that, that when we turn to you in faith and are saved, that that begins the possibility that the rest of our days could be lived to bring you glory. Lord, I know sometimes it's hard. Life 
can be overwhelming and, and feel like drudgery. Another day, another routine, another task, a to-do list, a bill, a responsibility, a demand, another meeting, another conflict, another sale to make. But Lord, in all of that, help us to see that we can bring you glory. Help us to realize the whatevers of our lives can be sacred to you. Lord, you've given us this incredible commission, this seeming overwhelming task to go and make disciples of all nations. Lord, sometimes we we just reduce that to that to-do list thing. Oh yeah, I've got to do this as well. Lord, I pray that we would look at it differently today because of what we've talked about. That we would see it as a natural outgrowth of our contentment and our joy of where your sovereignty meets our giftedness in a way that has opened unique doors of opportunity, of relationship and witness. Lord, use us there in those places and may those places become holy and sacred to you. This is not what we do. It's why we do it. In the name of our Lord, we pray. Amen.